Hello, everybody. How are you? That's a pretty casual greeting, isn't it? Well, let me ask you how well rested you feel today. Did you have a good night's sleep? Did you feel ready to face the day? Chances are most of you haven't. At least 55.8% of adults have consumed at least one sleep aid in the past month, according to a survey. Circadian rhythms regulate essential functions such as hormone release, body temperature, sleep, metabolism, and digestion. Sleep disorders are a significant and often under-recognized issue that have a profound impact on an individual's physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Recognizing the signs and symptoms, seeking proper diagnosis, and accessing appropriate treatment options are key steps in managing and overcoming these disorders. Hi, I'm Tej, and in today's episode, I speak with Naomi Mithet, an advocate for people with circadian rhythm sleep disorders. Circadian Sleep Disorders Network, CSDN, is an independent, non-profit organization dedicated to improving the lives of people with chronic circadian rhythm disorders. Welcome to the podcast, Naomi. Hello, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I honestly did not know that there is something that is of such grave, uh, you know, everybody is facing this issue. I myself have sleep issues most of the times. So I'm very, very curious to know what we are going to talk about today. Great. Yes. Naomi, tell me what, uh, what, what, what are the specific sleep disorders uh, that your organization focuses on and why have you chosen to prioritize these particular disorders? Um, well, we um, focus on non-24 sleep-wake disorder, um, delayed sleep phase disorder. Uh, those are the two main ones. Delayed sleep phase disorder, also known as um, they shorten it to DSPD, and um, that one is a little bit more common. Um, non twenty four sleep phase disorder, sleep wake disorder. Sorry, uh, we just shorten it to non twenty four. That is more common in blind people, but it's um, pretty rare in uh, the sighted population. Um, but that actually is what my daughter has. Um, and I didn't know for a very long time. Um, there's also advanced sleep phase, which is somebody who, um, that's not really as much of a problem in, in our society because um, being an early bird is, you know, looked highly upon because, you know, you can get more yes. a day. So that's not <laughs> much of an issue um, for people who, you know, if their body clock um, has them not feeling tired, like from, I'm actually the delayed mm-hmm. phase type of person. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until my daughter, uh, until I found out about my daughter's non-24. So um, I just mm-hmm. always thought, you know, I'm a night owl and I didn't know why. Um, my mother is the same way. So I do, I do think there's a genetic component, but that hasn't necessarily been uh, proven Um um, there are a lot of genetic tests going on uh, to try to prove that. Um, so, cited, cited so non twenty four. Let me oh, let yes me, go ahead. 
sorry to interrupt you, but uh, could you just explain what is non-24 and delayed sleep disorder? Delayed sleep, I kind of get because you are not sleeping at the appropriate time. You're probably sleeping well into the night. And what is non-24? Uh, so non-24 would mean somebody's body clock um, that will, like for my, my daughter, for example, she, her, her days are like 25 hours long, maybe a little bit longer. So her sleep time will advance an hour each day. It's, it's basically like having chronic jet lag. Um, if you're not, oh. yeah. And so if you're, uh, if you're not allowed to follow that your body's natural rhythm, then you're you will become very sleep deprived. But there will also be times, um, you know, there are times when she's like right now today she fell asleep around you know three p.m. Yesterday it was two p.m. Tomorrow it will be four p.m. But there are times when she's a you know her wake up time is like most other people in society. Hmm. So it's. That's what makes it so hard to diagnose because, um, you know, sometimes they're fine. Other times they're exhausted and she used to, you know, fall asleep in class. Um, yeah, I, I could imagine. I mean, that changes the entire system, isn't it? When to go to school, when to study, when to sleep, when to eat. Uh, and not only that person, but also the family uh, is affected. Yes, that is right. That is right. It's and um it really was by chance that I happened to find out about it. Um, as much as I, you know, I'm not always so positive about social media sites, but uh, I was in a Facebook group and another mother had mentioned it. And just by chance, I read her, her comment and I thought, well, that sounds a lot like my kid. And so I started researching it. And, and then that's how I came upon the nonprofit that I'm, um, a board member of now, the Circadian Sleep Disorders Network, uh, and everything clicked. And, um, you know, I just did a lot of research about it. And I actually decided uh, to start homeschooling my child because I, I realized that was, ex it just explained why it was so hard to get her up in the morning sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had had so many issues with the school, you know, no, no blame on the school district or anything or the schools. They were great. They just, it, this is just such a rare thing. Mm. Um, so I let her follow her own body it, clock. Yeah. And things got up. It can be challenging. I, I, I totally get it. It can be very challenging. Now, uh, what does the organization do and what are the resources that you provide to people who are affected or people just to create awareness about this? Um, well, we do, a, few, a lot of different things. Uh, right now, all, all the board members, we are all um, people who live with uh, circadian rhythm sleep disorder, um, either the delayed sleep phase one or non-24. Um, and in my case, it's, you know, we have both. I mean, I have experience with both. So um, we do a lot of advocacy work online we have support groups um, on on Facebook. We have a support group. We have other social media pages um, where we share information, um, articles. Um, we also do, you know, advocacy for people who might need some support. Uh, like recently, I I actually um, helped a university student with. Um, 
you know, writing to her university about trying to explain what non-24 is. He's a sighted person. Um, because it's just so, it's just not well known yet. And what happens is a lot of times people feel like they're, there's some a mental health issue maybe, or they feel like they're, you know, their doctors don't know what it is. So they're not really, sometimes they're not believed or they're told they have a mental health issue or it's just insomnia. Um, so it can get very frustrating um, for people who, who have, um, I would say, especially the non-24. I think the delayed sleep phase is more accepted nowadays. It's um, more known than the non-24 um, for sighted people. Yeah. Um, if somebody's blind, so I, oh, I would sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So uh, no, my question is when when you approach, like you said, the university student wrote to her university explaining the process. What is the first reaction you get from the person? Is it that of skepticism, or is it oh something like that doesn't exist? Uh, actually, I because I I spent <laughs> I spent four years researching, especially during the pandemic. I. I kept a, a sleep log of my daughter's sleep at that time. And this was before the diagnosis. She just got diagnosed last fall. But um, mm -hmm. I wanted to feel very confident in my knowledge of it so that when I did go to, to speak to people about it, that I would be able to say, you know, I know for a fact that this is real and I have these, you know, mm -hmm. uh, this is what my own experience is with it. And um, so the person who comes asking for some support, they might just feel so disheartened and so frustrated. And, and so they just, sometimes it's hard for them to really think clearly. Um, and a lot of times people give up because once they're just told, yeah. you know, no, that's, that's only with blind people or no, you have a, it's a mental health issue or you, you just have insomnia. You're not trying hard enough. Um, they just get so down about it that they, they just want to just stop. Mm -hmm. This is a very debilitating, uh, it's very debilitating. I, yeah. yeah. I, I totally, yes, I can understand. You know, try not sleeping one night and you see how your next day is. It's terrible. You are not productive at all. Forget productive. You're not even able to function normally uh, on that day. Everyday chores also seem to be a you know, task. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employee's experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision, a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. 
Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. But uh, tell me, Naomi, where do you see this going? Do you expect some policy changes or do you expect some people to have societies or do you have a campaign to ensure that more people are aware of what is happening to them? Um, yes, actually, very soon, next month, um, in the first week of June, there will be a sleep conference, Sleep, sleep 2023, and we will have a booth there. Um, we will also have one of our board members speaking. Um, she'll be speaking about delay in diagnosis, and basically that's what I was just talking about and how it's just so hard. It may take many times before somebody can get an actual diagnosis, and that's some of it has mm -hmm. to do with finding the right person. Um, often, if it's a sleep specialist who also has been trained in neurology, they will usually mm -hmm. have a good understanding of what this is, mm -hmm. um, what these disorders mm -hmm. are, because it's a neurologic, it's neurological, it's, it's happening. In, okay. Yeah, it's in the brain. And okay, so my question is when you say neurological is it also exacerbated by technology by blue screens by you know looking at i i don't know i'm just wondering because that is generally the case uh, where people say that you know you're looking too much at a screen or you're reading too much on your mobile phone uh there is i i would say there are mixed thoughts about that um as far as i know uh like the blue light it can affect people definitely um but if somebody's looking at their phone for a little bit before they go to bed, because sometimes it helps people, you know, just clear out their thoughts or whatever, I, I do it. But um, it's usually going to maybe affect you like for 10 minutes, like you might stay up an extra 10 minutes. It's not going to make you stay up, you know, mm -hmm. an hour or two later. Um, mm -hmm. So it really depends. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you should try to not look at those things 30 minutes before you go to bed. Um, and I think that's mm -hmm. helpful. Um, but the main, the main thing is also that it's not just, it's not really light as much as um, the activity that it has your brain involved in. It's kind of, you know, sending signals, excitement signals. And so your brain is, it makes it much harder to just relax and go to sleep. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the, yeah, some of the research, like at Oxford, uh, they have done tests about that. Um, and so I think there's an entire industry waiting out there, isn't it? With all the sleep devices, putting on the mask or uh, melatonin, for example. <laughs> all these uh, industries will uh, benefit from uh, what is happening right now. But what my entire focus would be is how does a person diagnose himself or herself mm -hmm. to understand that they are going through this and seek medical help or seek uh, some kind of professional help. Uh, so your organization is helping do you? Yes, that. yes. We can definitely tell people what they need to do to help them get a diagnosis properly, um, such as, uh, well, sleep logs are very important. If you can keep a journal and write down your, your you know, the time you fell asleep, and the time that you wake up, at least for two weeks. Um, in my case, I went a little overboard. I did it for four years for my daughter, but um, it's <laughs> really helpful if they can have 
a good amount of time. Two weeks, a month is even better. You know, two months even better. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There are, you can just do it on paper. Um, and then there are some apps that you can use where you can put that information in and it will create a graph. Um, people are also, there are a lot of things that you can wear, you know, that people wear now on their wrist and when they're sleeping, right. you can track your sleep and wake time. And those have actually been very helpful for um, people to get a diagnosis. You know, they can, they can show that information as well. Now, the only thing is with... Um, so with delayed, the delayed sleep phase, it's, you know, if you're going, like for me, my sleep time where I, I feel quite awake at nighttime and then maybe 3 or 4 a.m. is like pretty common time for me to go to mm -hmm. sleep if I'm just allowed to go on my own body clock. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. for my daughter, um, when if I had not been letting her just follow her body clock and she was still trying to get up to go to school... Um, the results would have been different on the sleep log, the sleep journals that I kept. And so if somebody really wants an accurate diagnosis, they will need to not have any interruptions for at least two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they wear an actigraphy device. Um, mm -hmm. And that will track. Uh, there are other there are other things that they make as well. But usually that's that's what my daughter had to wear, an actigraphy device. Okay. And she wore it for two weeks. Okay. And it would record her sleep time and her wake time. Um, and so the, the, um, doctor was able to, uh, read that information and he could confirm, yes, that she has the non-24. Sure. Um, so yes, yeah, sleep logs are very important and it's, that's the other thing. It's just so hard for people to have that much time to sleep when they need to following their body clock, because if you're working, um, or going to school, it's pretty hard to take off two weeks, um. I suppose you could, you know, use your vacation time to do it, but yeah, that's, that's to make it accurate. That is very important. Okay. Yeah. Um, lastly, uh, tell me, Naomi, do you measure the impact of your reach out or do you uh, monitor some kind of progress with the people who are approaching you? Do you have members, so to say? Um, well, we, we have, yes, we have members who join um and the fee is kind of it's a sliding scale basically um so if some that's the another thing is a lot of people who have um such as non-24 it's very hard to find work uh or if you do find work it's going to be something that might not be full-time or it might not be something that will be a job that can bring in you know a lot of money so it really i mean some people find their niche where they, you know, maybe they can do like something related to software, like programming or something. They can do it at home in their own time, but not everybody wants to do that kind of work. Um, yeah. But yes, we, we do have members and um, on the website, there's a place to, you can join online through PayPal. Usually um, we also accept checks, which <laughs> You know, that's school, but yeah, sure. we'll still take a check. So, uh, Wonderful. Great. It was lovely talking to you, Naomi. And I hope more people come out with uh, the problems that they're facing and approach you. And uh, maybe there's some kind of uh, support that comes out from networking. Yeah.
<clears throat> I hope so. I've been I've been trying to do a lot of networking myself online, and uh, um, we also have a survey that we are we're working on the paper for that, and hope to have that published. Uh -huh. um, so that's a big deal as well. So we will have something for you know the science community to to be able to look at. Yeah. Yes. 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 Great. That was a lovely talk. Thank you. So uh, there is also a need for policy changes, for increased understanding and funding for research as well, um, to understand the importance of healthy sleep habits. By working together, um, nonprofit organizations, healthcare professionals, uh, researchers, and individuals who are connected can make a collective effort to address uh, this issue of sleep disorders comprehensively. And um, I think by shining a light on sleep disorders and promoting the significance of quality sleep, I'm sure everybody understands the importance of quality sleep. We all must strive towards a society where restful and rejuvenating sleep is a priority. You know, that, that's a, that goes a long way in leading healthier and happier lives. Thank you, Naomi. It was wonderful talking to Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate this.